<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? I hope this episode finds you uh, healthy and relatively sane. I know it's a wild and crazy... What? Steve Martin. It's a crazy time. All, all kidding aside, it's a crazy time. I hope you are sane. And I hope this uh, wonderful conversation with Patton Oswalt, the delightful Patton Oswalt, whose new special is out now on Netflix, uh, is a nice respite. Um, and a nice break, as it was for me, uh, to have some laughs and some connection. It's a little bit shorter um, than a usual episode because Patton was in the middle of a uh, a press, um, I don't know what you want, a blitz, a press blitz. So he only had an hour for us. I think we went a little bit over, uh, which was fun and very sweet of him. Um, but it's it's short, but when you have a great guest like Patton, we hit it all. We got it all, and it's a wonderful episode, and I'm looking forward to you hearing it. All episodes, as usual, are brought to you by our friends at Charlotte's Web. Charlotte'sWeb.com slash weird and promo code KeepItCrispy19 will get you uh, 10% off. Um, I highly recommend the Calm Gummies. It's perfectly dosed, sweet, delicious gummies with CBD in it from our friends at Charlotte's Web. I got a few tweets saying that the link wasn't working. I think it has been fixed. So please uh, get some and show your support of the podcast. Speaking of showing your support of the podcast, we have a lot of Pete's picks on this episode, uh, including the one that's been keeping me alive during the quarantine and getting the nutrition that is hard for me to get, as I uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I haven't been going to the grocery store as much, is Kachava. Kachava is a plant-based, born-in-the-jungle superfood drink mix that is loaded with nutrient-rich superfoods that have been revered by tribal cultures for centuries. It's what I always point people to if they want to try and eat more plant-based, but they don't know where to start. Also, a lot of people eat it because it's a good meal replacement, keeping you full for four or five hours, which is completely true, I can say, for me personally. You drink it, it's healthy, it's low-calorie, and it keeps you full for a long time. So people see health benefits, obviously, from that. I drink it and love it and make my smoothies with it and drink it on its own with just water, which is unbelievable that it's good enough that it's good in just water because it gets me high from all the nutrition inside. It makes me feel fantastic. As I said, it's 100% plant-based. You get omega-3s from chia seed and flax seed. Eight super fruits are in the bag. 17 greens and veggies are in the bag. It's got digestive support built in. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. It's gluten-free, soy-free. There's 24 grams of plant-based protein and 9 grams of fiber. But the kicker is, I've tried a lot of things like this. Cachava is actually delicious. It tastes like a chocolate or vanilla, depending on the flavor. You got milkshake. You can make it with almond milk and frozen strawberries. It tastes like a chocolate strawberry milkshake. The cacao in there is a great mood elevator. The maca root in there is wonderful for your vitality and for your energy. I've been swearing by it. It's basically a meal and a pill, but better than that, it's got more nutrition in one serving than I I fear most people are getting in a month. So try it. Show your support of the show. Uh, Go to Kachava, that's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird, and you'll get 20% off your order. Speaking of (laughs) superfruits, superfruits and superfoods, I have been enjoying the benefits of Tahitian noni juice for about a month now. It's a little highlight of my day, taking a 
four-ounce shot of Tahit known Jew. I read the study from my friend David that four ounces twice a day, they did a peer, uh, I always forget how to say it, a peer-reviewed, a published and peer-reviewed study of clinical double-blind trials with placebo that showed four ounces twice a day uh, increases your NK cell count. Uh, NK is natural killer cells. These are the cells that help keep your immune system powerful by 30%, giving your body 30% more ammunition to stave off the nasties. These are technical terms, stave off the nasties. I like it because it's tart, it's delicious, it tastes a little bit like pomegranate juice, it's got some blueberry in there um, because I'm into superfoods, but that data was what really got me in, was something that I knew I could do for my immune system uh, and keep me healthy and keep me active. It's something that I look forward to in the morning. It is. I, I take it in conjunction with a, uh, a supplement. That's the word. I don't know why I'm so tired today. A supplement called Cell Defense, also made by Noni New Age. Cell Defense, which is clinically shown to help your body fight inflammation. So these two things together are a super team, a super combo. Usually a one liter bottle of Tahitinone Jew and a bottle of Cell Defense would be 100 bucks. But as a promo for this podcast, you can get both for $40. Do something great for your body. Feel better. Feel like you're doing something good. And show your support of this podcast. So thank you to Noni New Age. The, the landing page for that is Noni, N-O-N-I, NewAge.com slash Weird40. Uh, get it. Get some antioxidants. Get rid of harmful free radicals. All that stuff. All that good stuff. Uh, on a not edible note. Uh, I'm pulling up my, my, my me undies, me me undies, and it's mermaids. Whenever I walk around in my lounge pants by me undies or just in my me me undies, uh, Leela always runs up to me and points to the patterns. It's one of the things I really love about them. I heard about me undies from other podcasts, and around my 40th birthday, I was tired of just having uh, skank ass, nasty, holy, ill fitting underwear. I was like, I'm a grown man. And Val, you're a grown woman. We both of us did a complete closet overhaul, top to bottom, all me undies, lounge pants, which is like pajama pants and the, the boxer briefs. And I love them. They're the best fitting, softest underwear I've ever owned. And they have incredible fun patterns like the mermaids that I'm enjoying today. Not only that, but if you buy now, uh, this is really sweet. MeUndies is making a $50,000 donation to both the It Gets Better project in uh, observance of Pride and Black Lives Matter. So it's a wonderful company. It's a wonderful product. If you want to do an overhaul and get the best fitting, funnest and the softest micro-modal fabric, five times softer than cotton underwear that I've ever owned, and show your support of the podcast. Get yourself into some MeUndies. Subscribe. I enjoy getting... A, uh, it's it's not free. You pay to subscribe, but I get a surprise pair of underwear. And uh, this month it was tr- uh, lounge pants in the mail. I look forward to it. I open it up. little present to myself. Or get some of the onesies. Get the lounge pants. It's fantastic stuff. 
and you'll show your support of the show. It's MeUndies, M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash weird. That's MeUndies dot com slash weird. We'll get you 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Uh, all right, guys. And check out Patton Oswalt's new, uh, incredible, new, hilarious special. He's one of the best. Try a Pete's pick. Hang in there. Love one another. Love everyone. Be kind. <laughs> Watch some Mr. Rogers. Highly recommend that. You're going to hear me talking about this a lot on the show. I'm reading The Good Neighbor. It's Mr. Rogers' biography. Fantastic stuff. Keep those vibrations high and uh, and and do what you can to be a positive change in the world. I don't know why I'm preaching in the intro. I usually just do that in between things my guests are saying. <laughs> All right, guys. Enjoy my friend, the incredible Patton Oswalt. Get into it. Hi. Get your beautiful visage on this screen. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Hang on. There Hi. it is. But we're just using the audio, right? Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not recording the video. This no, is just I thank video. God, because I am not looking you look good. great. How are you doing? Are you home? Or are you obviously you're home. Yeah, this is home. This is home. Oh, boy. Where are you? Is this some sort of home uh, theater? I am also premium home. Leather. Um, I'm in a... There's a couple of chairs in the spare room, and the, I kind of like the lighting, so there you go. I like it. Well, you do look well. You look rested and healthy. Thank you. So do you. How, how have... Um, are you in New York or L.A. right now? I'm in L.A. I'm oh. in L.A. What part yes. of L.A.? We're not far from each other, I don't think, unless you moved. I, we don't want to give too too much away, oh. but uh, I live in Los Feliz. Oh, no, I moved to Studio City. Oh, that's one of those places that I pretend to know where it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, the valley. Is it the oh. valley? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of in the valley, yeah. What what studio gives Studio City its name? Is it near a studio? I think what it means is it's where a lot of studios were. So they just called it like, oh, you're where all the studios are. You're in Studio City. You know, um, that, I think it was more that kind of feel. When did you move? Because I always sort of enjoyed knowing that you lived in this little comedy commune. Yeah, I know. I, I And I lived over there. I, I loved living over there. I loved living in the, that area. Um, but... Uh, I think I just wanted more, um, uh, more of a family friendly vibe, you know, with Alice yeah. getting a little older. So, uh, moved to studio city, which has become, which has gotten very, um, very kind of Los Feliz up, you know? Really? That's great. It doesn't yeah. take much. You just need a couple kind of yeah. nice restaurants and a movie theater, maybe a little walkability. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. So, um, yeah, uh, hang on. It's all good. This is one of those real podcasts. God There's no flair. Your your Patton is is texting. This is our lives. This is modern life. Insane. It's all like a million things going on. Um, how I are know. you doing, my friend? No, I want to know how you're doing. That's a good lead in. What is what is your <laughs> vibe right now? I can't get a read, which is fine. I, like I, I'm not saying you seem weird. How are you right this moment? What what's going on? I mean, my vibe is fine. It's just at the point now where it, it's, I, I think there's a little frustration with doing so many interviews at this point in uh, the, the quarantine because it's all the same thing. We're just staying home and trying our best. And so it just feels like a round robin of the same people saying the same things to each other. Of course. Like, I don't so, really so, know uh, what to report. I, don't, I haven't had any <laughs> new revelations except, well, we're all just staying home and doing the best we can. 
No, I completely understand that. I, and I'm not saying this is a gimmick for our sake. First of all, we don't have to go two hours. I don't know if there's any dread when you do my show to be like, oh, it's one of the long haul ones. We can go however long we want. Oh, I'm, I can only do an hour. I'm sorry. Then there you have there's it. There's no way I can do two because the, the rest of my, my press schedule today is insane. I hate. I, I I'm sorry. I wish they. Oh, damn. I'm sorry, dude. Not at all. It's I, I just, in fact, organically before I knew that said we don't have to go two oh, hours. But you do feel uh, you feel like a little press mode. And I, I, I know that mode. And I typically, I'm not saying this uh, to be weird, I'll turn down when people are like, someone wants to do the show, and it's because they're doing press, it's the worst time to talk to somebody. We're just talking as friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Feel free to to talk. Be honest. (laughs) It's weird when you're on a, like I've been doing interviews all morning, and it really has gotten, they're like, so what's going on, Pat? And then I'm like, I have, what do you think is going on? I have nothing to report. I don't have anything like, Yes. New, it's happening because I'm trying my best not to go anywhere and make things bad for people. And then you see their frustration, but it's like, well, if I told you interesting stories, that would be me then doing bad things um, uh, that would, that were, that are hurting people. Cause I shouldn't right. be going out and shouldn't be right. doing things. So you it know. would be very kind of eerie and disturbing if you were like, well, I actually have a fresh anecdote. Yeah. I love hugging strangers. It freaks them out. <laughs> I was actually talking about that with somebody. There have to be people, and I almost don't even want to say this. I don't want to put an idea in somebody's head, but there have to be rascal assholes that are just going around freaking people out by getting too close on purpose, like zombie movies. Well, there are people that are doing the, well, I'm the, I'm the cool bad boy because I'm not wearing a mask and I am going out and like, like that for some reason that has become the, the punk rock rebel thing to do. Yeah. Just to go and uh, risk other people's lives, which yeah. I didn't. I didn't think we'd ever get to that point, but here we are. Have you turned a corner recently and not known that somebody was coming at that corner, and you both have that sort of like, like you have, like, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, this is I haven't awkward. done the turning the corner thing, but I have been going down. Like when I when we go for a walk around the neighborhood, um, someone else will be approaching, and there's that weird little at a distance dance, I'm like, well, who's going to cross? And who, like, I usually just immediately cross. Like I just take the decision off their hands. Uh, but yeah, there have been those. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like, like walking around like Manhattan or San Francisco or someplace where, you know, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that must look like. But um, for the most part, I try to do the, okay, let's, I mean, do you walk around Los Feliz? I do. I went on a little hike this morning and it's like playing Pac-Man and everybody's a ghost. Well, you know? but you're not, because the hiking trails are closed, right? It's not a pro, it's not an actual hike. I go up into the Franklin Hills. So, oh, they're, so they're just still steep have hills streets. To climb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get steep it. streets. It's not a hike. And I wear a mask and I do marvel at how many people aren't wearing masks. That's still happening quite a bit. I don't um, get it. I don't I, get it. <laughs> do you wear a mask in the car? Um, yeah, you know what I do just because in my mind, there's going to be some kind of emergency where you have to get out. I may have to get out or someone will run up. I just, I, I mean, that's the other thing too, is like when I go out now, um, uh, I will be driving the, the few times I've had to go out to on like a mission. Yeah. <laughs> people are out there driving and walking around. Like it's the purge. Like I see people blowing yeah. through red lights. I, there was a guy 
a few nights ago, I was, I had to go get something for the house and he was crossing like diagonally across four lanes of traffic, like as if he's just like walking in a meadow, like there doesn't, I'm like, there's still cars coming, dude. There's like the laws still <laughs> exist. I, you know, like, what do you think is going to happen? It was, it was really scary. Yeah. I can't help but take it a little bit. I get a little offended if I see somebody and they quickly put on their mask. I don't, I know it's what they should do, but there's still a part of me that's like, I'm wearing a mask. I'm, I'm over here. I'm, I'm following the rules, but people yeah. like, you still take it personally that uh. you're like a leper or something. Yeah, well, exactly. Let, let's do the interview that is just, I want to be as your friend, the, the breath of fresh air, I'm not going to do the morning radio and go, so Patton, do you really love everything? I mean, what a time to say that you love, do you love yeah, COVID-19. <laughs> Which, by the way, podcasts are becoming more and more like morning radio. I don't know if you've noticed this. I think about this all the time where we're taking something that was supposed to be this precious respite from like, Chico and the gas man. <laughs> And it's just become that. So, like, let's let's do a nice, proper. What, it seemed like you had a thought on that. Well, I mean, the the, the two thoughts I had. One being, um, yeah, I am getting that question of like, count. What does it mean by you know? Obviously, it's just the the irony of the title is the irony. Comedians understand immediately what what it is. It's Everyone like when else Chelsea. Chelsea Peretti called her, I'm sorry to interrupt, called that her special one of the greats. Well, one of the greats, yeah. Now, so and are people you, were are, like, are you, you saying? That you're yeah. the oh my fucking god! It's a title. It relates to nothing in the special. The title is a joke. It's a the joke. Fact that you're, the fact that you're trying to parse it shows that you don't understand comedy and you're not a comedian. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we are not doing that. And then I also said podcasts are turning into morning radio, which which always breaks my heart a little bit. Um, but we're not going to do that. We're not doing the well. Cheap. But also, I wonder about these morning radio shows that. They try to do that. It's a party every morning at 6 a.m. And now you can't do that anymore because it's not a goddamn party. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. So that shit doesn't work. That's right. And that's where this podcast fits right in the niche. We've always been like a more somber, <laughs> like real, just like a, like a My Dinner with Andre podcast. So that, yeah. we're, we're, we're thriving. We're I mean, thriving. I understand wanting to you know, be positive and happy. Um, but you, it, it's like, just acknowledge whatever's actually going on because people that are trying to do that fake kind of, it's just a good old crazy time. That to me is more distressing and sounds crazy. Of course. In fact, yeah. that is the thing that I love most about being a comedian is, is we are the group that is going, I'm uncomfortable with this level of enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why, like, I, I went through a big Tony Robbins phase. It, it, there was, it, it, let's not even get boring about that. <laughs> but I, for a moment, I, I watched his documentary, I Am Not Your Guru, and it showed the seminars. And I was like, everything I am could never be there. Like, no. in a room, jumping to the beat of, like, tonight's gonna be a good night. I would find someone with your face, your yeah. comedian face. And go, is tonight going to be a good night? <laughs> like, I, I need it. That's, that's our oxygen. And that's one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today, just because I was like, I find that one, one of the things I'm missing, not to make it about the quarantine, but I'm missing the green room 
even more. I'm missing the back room at Largo. I'm missing the the green room at, at the comedy store. And just that thing that I used to kind of, I'd minimize it. I'd do it like, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm not going to hang for too long. And now I'm like, I wish I could just hang for nine hours. Yes. Well, I just, mean, that's part of what we do um, uh, is is the hang. And so much of what we do creatively comes from the hang. Um you know, it, it, it's that it's that bouncing back and forth off of other creative people. And now, I mean, I try to do Zoom meetings with friends and, you know, text stuff back and forth, but it's not the same. And yeah. I really, really miss it. I do I just too. really, really miss it. And the way that our jobs feed our social need is really showing me that I'm in this time, I don't really know how to be a friend. Like the way that people are friends that they make plans and they're like, I'll see you for coffee on Wednesday or we'll go to yoga class together. I never had to do that because I'd go to a club and I would see in an hour, 25 people that I'm excited to see. Yes. And would get it out of the way. And now that I'm on my own, I'm like, is it weird to say, do you want to talk on the phone? (laughs) Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And also there's that, there's that stuff of like, yeah, seeing everyone at, at the same time and kind of talking. But then there's like eight or nine people you want to talk to, but to spread it out during the day after like the third or fourth person, you're like, I don't want to talk to anyone right now. Like, That's I don't right. know what. And also those times when you um, talk just one-on-one over Zoom and it doesn't, um, it just feels even more draining yeah. than stimulating because you're on this weird delay that then after a while you're like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to. Talk to anyone in this oh, yeah. delivery system. I hate talking on the phone. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows I hate talking on the phone. I don't know what their face is doing. I don't know what the cues are. It's almost like Aspie. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing on the phone. I'm talking to nothing. I'm just talking to a disembodied voice. I don't like it. I like seeing people at a club. And here, I heard you saying something very interesting to Kevin Nealon on Hiking with Kevin. You were talking about alt comedy and club comedy, something we've talked about and something I know people burden you with kind of explaining a lot. Uh-huh. But you said, that's, so that's not what I'm doing. But you said something very interesting. You talked about it being about expectation. The expectation uh, at a club is you go up and it's like, it's club, I'm the funny guy and you're the audience and like everything's sort of assumed and given. So what you're saying about these hangs that used to happen organically at a club yes. And naturally, it's like Zoom hangs are sort of like, well, we're going to hang now, and it ruins the mood. Everyone lose. I lose my social erection by going. I'll talk to you at noon, right? Yeah. It's just like I, I just yeah I, exactly it, when it's all scheduled like that, and there isn't this organic fun. Um, it's just a bummer. It, yeah. it, it really is. It doesn't energize you. It doesn't replenish you. Um, it's just not fun. It's not natural. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. What is it? Uh, oh, I can't believe it. Irish comedian, David O'Doherty. David O'Doherty, he he has this great song where he talks about like the best drunks of your life are always like unexpected. Like you got drunk at a lunch. (laughs) Like you just plan it. And Jimmy Kimmel, it changed my life on this podcast. He said to me, if it's in the calendar, I don't want to do it. This is the kind of animals I think we are. Our lives are like, you have to be funny at eight o'clock on Friday. We'll take that. That's the burden we'll carry. But I'd like everything else in my life to be as natural and organic 
and flowy as possible, or it's not fun. No, it really isn't. It, it's a it's a huge bummer if everything is. I mean, obviously, yeah, you should schedule some things, but if your fun is scheduled, uh, <laughs> after a while, it's kind of not fun. That's right. Val and I joke to each other, whenever we're laughing really hard, we go, try to laugh once a day. <laughs> like in the middle of our laugh, we'll go, you know, try to laugh once a day. And when, whenever I see like somebody like have that little placard in their room, I'm just like, something's wrong. Like if you need to remember something, like there needs to be a bigger overhaul of your life that we need to be yeah. laughing a lot. You said that on Conan's podcast, if you can mock it, you can manage it. And I thought yeah. that was brilliant. Well, I was quoting, um, uh, Oh, it's was, you. It was, well, no, that was Todd Glass. <laughs> Todd Glass, uh, said that. So, but yeah, that whole, um, you, you have to, if everything is deadly serious, then everything is draining and there's, there's nothing replenishing you after a while. Yes. So let's, let's have some silly chat so you can have a break. That'll be yes. my gift to you. Okay. Everybody knows just your name popping up in the feed. He's got a special. You're one of the best comedians that's ever lived. We're going to uh. watch it. Let's get it the fuck out of the way. <laughs> I, you were actually one of the comics that I did a little guest spot on a show at a festival and maybe we talked about this the last time you did it. You know, old Rath, our manager. Yes. Uh, so probably hooked it up. And you were the first guy that I saw that I was like, first of all, you were doing these bits that had about a billion words. And I was, <laughs> I, I hate to sound like such a schmuck, but I was like, how is he remembering this? I know that's what idiots say to actors. Like, it's a bad compliment. <laughs> like, how do you remember all those words? But you were saying these, like, flourishes, these, like, rapid-fire Gatling gun. It might have been the KFC Bowl or, mm -hmm. or one of these classic sort of encore bits. And there was, like, a pow. There's, like, a landmine every three steps or two steps. And the crowd was going nuts. And, and you were the first comedian that I saw, and this is real, that had established that rapport with an audience where – they were yelling out bits and they, and you, you took questions. Like, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And I was like, I want that, not for the pride of it, but I want to, I want to have that sort of rapport with the crowd where they can be like, do KFC bowl. And then they were like, talk about, somebody was just like, talk about Ratatouille and you did it. And it was funny and they loved it. I was like, it's not, this is the great compliment I think that you've achieved. It's not your new hour. It's like Patton's come by. Here he is. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's here. <laughs> we, we're not worried about it. We know we'll like it. He, he came over, and he's our friend, and we like it. Yeah, I, I mean, that comes from the, the, the memorizing all of this text comes from the fact that I don't really sit down and write my bits. I get up and work them out in front of an audience. So it's almost sure. like somebody from a tribe learning something orally. It's almost like a oral tradition so it's almost like learning a song i guess i mean i totally know for lack of a better way to phrase it so that's how i can um seemingly memorize all this stuff it's just from night after night of just finding exactly the right way to have it fall out of my head that's right you know and, and that's mm -hmm. a very very which also right now is making things feel very dire for me because i can't go into the clubs and work out material the way that I work it out, which is to do it me you too. Know, live in front of people. And it's really, uh, it's really worrisome to me right now. 
there's going to be a time when we're back out touring. Who knows when it is? But I'm, I I'm so I hope to. Let's be let's let's be positive. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm being bothered. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. We can we can have some uh, salty sweet here, but like <laughs> if, if if there is, um, which I think there will be, I'm going to have to watch the video of this new hour I'm doing and go like I'll be watching me going. How is he remembering these words? Because yes, I haven't sung that song in a long time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to need to like. How do I get that group back? And then how do I? Um, I also, I also wonder, I honestly wonder if there's going to be moments where people like us, the very first few times we go on stage, we're just punchy from not having interacted with anybody. And is that going to affect things? Buddy. Like, will that literally, will you see weird, some weird early performances of comedians going, who is calling me? Hang on. Sorry. It's probably Dave Rath. No, it's not. <laughs> he, um, knows, he knows we're but doing like, this. But <laughs> who is um, like, oh, this guy clearly hasn't like had a chance to talk to people in a while. And he's a little, things are a little shaky for him, you know? I so do. that feeling is going to be fascinating to see. There's another family that we're very close with. And they're super, super careful because their daughter is immunocompromised. Um, so we went and visited them. We kept a distance and stuff. But we went and visited them. And I remember at a certain point, one of them, it actually was, they actually had a third person there. And that's important because I didn't know them. And they were talking and they said something like, something like, and I'm a real ketchup guy or something. And I just like, didn't know what the fuck to say. Like, I forgot the skill of how to talk to someone who's telling you that they're a ketchup guy. And my heart... (laughs) My heart broke. I went, we have to do this again? Like, I don't miss yeah. that. I don't miss going like, yeah, man, mustard's a bit much. It's a bit much. I want something sweet. Like, I just didn't have it. We've been yeah, so, the, that's it's like you for, happen. It's like you forgot how to fill silences. That's right. So my advice, when we start, whatever the next phase is, go, it's like breaking a fast or something. Yes. You can't yeah, eat pancakes. No, no, you'll, you'll, you'll mess up your you'll stomach. Die. Wow, you'll that's die. a good way to put it. Yeah, like come out of this slowly. Don't run at people at 90 miles an hour just because yeah. everyone's happy to be out. Because then you might feel like, were we never that? Like, I think a lot of people are going to falsely think their friendships didn't mean anything because the first uh, few uh, <laughs> conversations would be awkward. But it's like, no, no, you guys haven't talked to humans just be That's gentle it. with yourselves dude i was like where do i look i literally was like is this the right amount of eye contact <laughs> i don't know where to look i'm hanging out with a baby and my wife and like i started talking to them and i was like am i being a creep i'm looking yeah. at their eyes and like that's when we get on stage i did stand yeah. up once stoned it was a it was a mistake it was at denver i took a sip of a, of a weed drink and i was like it's a weed drink how strong could it be and i drank it and i got sky high and i remember being on stage and it was like performing for orcs I, and not yeah. they weren't malicious but it was just kind of like blah, 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 blah. and i was like what the fuck are they laughing at and e- ed- edibles always hit you in the weirdest way <laughs> and in and, and, and unexpected ways where you like like you just said it's a drink. How bad can it be? And then, oh no! Yes. This, wow. Yes. I would have been better just smoking something. 
it I was, was a, in Amsterdam. I was. I went to. Oh, go ahead. I'll tell no, you a please. really sad edible. story. I can't wait for this edible story. I have. I have a space cake Amsterdam story. Keep going. <laughs> well, I went to. I was performing in Amsterdam for a week, and um, I went to a coffee shop called Lucky Mothers that David Cross told me to go to. It was one of the last ones that still did edibles. Um, and I bought a. Was Snickers this recently? Bar. Uh, this was in the late nineties. They stopped doing edibles. I think for a while, yeah, they did. I mean, they still, you can go to Pacheves, but they didn't do edibles the way that they used to. Okay. And um, so I went in there and I got a Snickers bar. They went, well, we can put it in a Snickers bar for you. And <laughs> I didn't know that you're supposed to take a couple of bites and, and like it lasts you the week. I walked around and just ate the whole Snickers bar. And then, I, I know, and I went on stage and here's what was weird. I could speak perfectly fine. I could form thoughts perfectly fine. I could not physically open my eyes. Oh my god! I could not. Oh, it was almost like oh my, my brain. God. Here's what I here's what I think. At what happened? I feel like after the fact, my brain went. All right. Do you need to be articulate? Do you need to be able to speak clearly? Then you. Then we can't have your eyes open. I can only do a couple of things. So you were the Starship Enterprise. Down. Yes, it was. Take, <laughs> Put all the power into shields, <laughs> shut down communications. Like it was literally, my body was a starship compensating. And I did my whole set with my eyes closed. And I and I was very open about, I ate a Snickers bar full. And the crowd was like, oh, a typical American. Like they had apparently seen this a lot. Yes, of where course. Americans went, you know, it was my first time in Amsterdam. So I'm like, whoopee. Yes. And then they were like, oh yeah, there's, here he goes. And somebody yeah. was like, that's a Mitch Hedberg bit. That, yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It was exactly what it was. I uh, so we, I went with my girlfriend at the time, and we ate a space cake. It's a very short story, and we went and saw Boom Chicago, which was the improv show. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, that's right. And I thought it would be fun, but it was scary. Like, everyone was laughing. It was, again, the orcs. <laughs> and I yeah. was one of the orcs, which you right. know one of the orcs in the orcs is the orc that's like, are we really orking this right now? Are we, is this what we're about? Yeah. <laughs> like, so we just like kind of eat things and don't yes. bathe and that's our <laughs> culture because I mean, guys, look, I mean, look at the elves, look at them. Ah! Like, it, it's, is it impossible for us to do that? Cause it's like I an mean, apple store in a tree. We could be yeah, doing that. Yeah, we could totally like, how are we not doing that? Like, are we just, are we just not doing it out of spite? Like, what's wrong with us? Why do we, why are we doing this? And we're all two weeks old. I mean, like, it's not too late to change. Like, <laughs> we're weeks. bred, we're bred fully grown football players with weird black purple yeah. skin. I think we need to think about this. That is, man, if I didn't want to put on all that makeup with you, we could do a great, the two orcs that are like, that are would be really a great sketch. This? I mean, look, I know our, our skin's really weird, and and we're but I mean, so what? So because our our skulls look weird, we gotta just act like assholes. Like, I why are swear, we? What I, do we get out of it? Like, what are we getting out of this? Aren't, we're li- we're just living in mud. Like, what the fuck? I don't want to drink fermented blood. Is that yeah. weird? Is that have you had Sprite? Which is what the elves drink. The elves drink Sprite. Yeah. Sprites are fairies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not it's. Doesn't seem to be that hard to have a nice life, guys. I mean, it's basically yeah, the, the one orc who had a, a sense of aesthetics. That's like it. Can't just 
we can't like just put a tablecloth down like that that's impossible or you, you realize know? what this is it's orca orca it's orca <laughs> it's remy the orc that's like guys oh, there's better so... stuff yeah it's right oh my god that's right who was yes. the remy orc he the remy orc that's oh. why it has to be you that is perfect Exactly. That is perfect. This is how the sketch lives, just by us talking about it. I, I think half of, I mean, it is amazing to see how some people are adapting and, and how new stars are being minted. That, that woman, Sarah Cooper, doing the lip syncing, the Trump sound bites is fantastic. Just absolutely capturing the absurdity of these times. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so people just having to adjust like, well, we can't go in the clubs. How can I do? Really cool. You know who's been doing really amazing stuff? Kevin James on his YouTube channel. Have you been watching the little no. short videos he makes? No. Oh my God, he does these. It's this sound man character, like doing the sound, the boom mic in like famous movies. So he has himself in the scene to like when Darth Vader is going, I am your father. And they cut, he's like, what the? Oh my God. Like, it's, it's really, really brilliant. And they're all like a minute long and they're, and they're perfect. That is right. I mean, Val and people that listen to this podcast will tell you, I find sound booth humor and music <laughs> humor. The drummer that doesn't know that they were going to play that song first, that's confused. The yes. fact that you have to keep drumming while you're like emoting confusion is yeah. exactly what I find funny. So a guy with a boom mic that can't, can't express ex- excitement is exactly like, what, what I find. What the fuck? I, and, I mean, love that. I, I love the real life videos of, um, there's a bunch of them, of the drummer who doesn't understand what the gig is. Like, they're doing some, like, kid's party, <laughs> but he's drumming <laughs> like he's in Mastodon, like doing these huge metal flourishes. You're like, what are you doing? Where do you think you are right now? We're, like, we're literally playing outdoors at a kid's birthday party, and you're That's hitting slamming the skins right now like what's that, going on what happened in your life and it is something like that's a great movie if we know that that guy just went through a breakup and now he's yes. playing a kid's party like that's a, a satisfying cinematic moment where you're like yeah that is funny and we know and they don't know it's hitchcock it's hitchcock comedy we know there's a bomb under the table Yes, exactly. Show the audience the bomb. Don't show the characters. Yes, I love that so much. That kills me. I got it. Wow. I was actually thinking about that. I was like, people aren't going to stop creating. It's sort no. of like we're all, we're all grounded. Like the the parents of the earth have grounded us, and that can be <laughs> a really uh, fruitful time. Like when we were kids, I I attribute a lot of my talent, the development of my talent to being very, very bored as a kid. Yes, and finding ways to battle boredom is the root of so much comedy. That's right. I think So much comedy. I think my G.I. Joe, I played with G.I. Joes until I was 18, and the only reason I stopped was because people were making fun of me. I wanted to keep, like, I, I know you're, everyone's like, oh, Patton's sort of like the nerd guy or whatever, Posehn's the nerd guy. I was like, I fucking loved the secret world of toys and action figures and i didn't understand yes. now we have open world video games it's the same fucking thing it's just like socially acceptable i'm like fuck you i was right there's yes. still some juice in cobra commander yeah what? 
because I like boobies now, I can't play with Destro. <laughs> like it's like fun. Well, I mean, the guy, um, that comic book artist, Todd McFarlane, yep. he started a multi-billion-dollar action figure empire solely from his dissatisfaction as a kid for why can't action figures be cooler and have more cool stuff on them. And he basically is a gajillionaire because of that frustration. Wow. He's the guy that did, I want multiple articulated action figures with That's right. know, joints to do stuff. and Armor you know, that comes off. Armor that comes off or like a figure where the, the costume is damaged because they've been in battle. Like awesome. all the stuff that we used to have to do manually. That's right. The figures. Like we got to cut up Spider-Man's outfit because he was just fighting with the lizard man. That's you right. Know, um, he was like, and trying well, to take we... Cobra Commander's mask off. <laughs> I was, yes. I was always trying. I got the one with the hood so I could try and lift it off. But of course they thought of that. You can't do it. <laughs> well, yeah. But, well, because there were some action figures like, yeah, you can't see what Snake Eyes or Cobra Commander looks like. But then the action figure company just fucking made it where you could see the face and you could take the mask off. You're like, no, that's not how this works. So that's no, that's he remembered that. And it's like, okay, I'm going to, I remember that experience and I'm going to respect that when I do this again. So he made it so you couldn't remove uh, an unseen, nope. like you can't take Not Spawn's mask off. No. Yeah. That, no. That, although I think we've seen Spawn. Haven't we seen Spawn? Yeah, you can't actually Spawn. You can take off, but Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes, you can't. I had a friend, my, and this is why uh, I don't have to tell you this, but like you're such a, you fill such a gap in the in the casting vocabulary in the in the world. Like we've all known a you, and, and I hope you know that. <laughs> take that as a compliment. And the Patton that I went to high school with was the guy in the in the nerd. It was the math cafeteria where I ate lunch. <laughs> yeah, and he was like. He told me about these Japanese action figures that I, if I had them, this is no bullshit, I would play with them because they had uh, these hands that held guns, but they could interchange with other characters. And this is the most important thing. And I'm so excited. So I'm not going to apologize that we're talking about this for so long because I am coming to life remembering this. They had (laughs) armor that every piece of it could come off. Their arm armor, their chest armor, their back armor, their leg armor. So when you're fighting... You had a way of gauging how they're doing. You had you had health bars, basically. This guy's yeah. about to die. He has no armor left. And they were awesome. And it's, I swear to God, when I'm writing a script or breaking a story, that skill that my... I, I'm still mad at my dad. He gave away my Ninja Turtles because I think that was his way of being like, you're too old for this. He gave them away. And I'm oh, still mad. In his mad. mind, I'm doing this kid a favor. I'm still mad about it because I'm like, dude, I, like, come on. <laughs> like, fuck, yeah. like, like modern parenting, I feel like, is so much more evolved because my dad was just oh, doing yeah. the best. But like this... this Like, how old is your daughter now? Um she's 11. She's now 11. So the idea of like looking at your daughter, as I imagine you do as a plant and you want to like foster it and let it grow and encourage it is a modern idea. How the fuck did this happen? Well, instead of going, he likes action figures. He should like baseball. It's like, exactly. Well, you know what else is a modern thing though, is us remembering and just like growing a plant, you don't want to put a plant in a pot that it doesn't belong in, that restricts its growth. And so just like we remember our parents going, you should be into sports, but you know, I am into science fiction and comic books, but I don't do, I don't put that on my daughter with a jock mentality of you're going to watch the star Wars movies. You're going to read like, 
I am going to let her develop in any direction she wants. That's absolutely you know. So I'm not going to go. You are going to sit down and you are going to enjoy. You know that I I'm not doing that with with the nerd stuff. I've I've said this a million, but I'm going to say it to you because I'd love to hear what you think about it. It always breaks my heart. I have a lot of baggage. This is Pete's stuff. This is not yeah. for everybody. This is for Pete. Pete has issues in this area. So I don't want my baby wearing a Red Sox jersey. Like it really bothers me when people are like, you got to put her in the teams, put her in right. your teams. And like my teams, to quote Christian Finnegan, like those were the bullies. The people that wore those hats and those colors yeah. were mean to me. Uh, yeah. But I'm right there with you. I'm not going to put her in a, a fucking Simpsons shirt either. Like, I, there, so many times. Primary colors. <laughs> I mean, it is very, very heartwarming when you see parents at Comic-Con with kids who are really into it. And this is their world. And they're taking them to see stuff. But every now and then you will see a parent that is so clearly dragging a kid there. And it's for the parent and has nothing to do with the kid. The kid has other interests, and the parent is like, too bad, this is my thing, and you're coming with me. And the kid is – a lot of times I remember, um, you know, and I'm not putting down autograph collecting. If that's your hobby, that's perfectly fine. But I've been places where an autograph collector has been waiting somewhere clearly for hours with a kid. Like on a week – and especially it's like it's on a Saturday. That was that kid's (laughs) Saturday. And you drag him (laughs) – into your hobby that means nothing to him or her. Yes. And they're going to remember that was, that was like, I have a limited number of Saturdays. That's right. And they thought, Hey, it's uh, you get to hang out with me and wait for this celebrity that you don't know who is. And you don't give a shit about you should that. Uh, and you, but you're going to see daddy get an autograph. That was my brother is an autograph collector. So I, that that's personal. And I hear that. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate the respect and the love. Yes. I'm yeah. With- I'm not, no, I no, but absolutely I'm with you. have hobbies, but you cannot force your hobbies on your kids my, for your convenience. I what? mine was antiques and Rockefeller mansions. Like I always used to just have to slog through these. Now Val and I watched uh, Sense and Sensibility recently, and I was like, oh. I would love to go to one of these mansions and like <laughs> imagine the conversations and the clothes and the candles and the smells and what it was like. Oh, and this is the servants. But as a kid, all I thought was, what if there are ninjas here? Like, where would they hide? Where yeah. are they on the roof? And and I, I'm totally with you. She's going to have her own stuff. And I sort of, not sort of, I absolutely can't wait to see what it is, even if it is completely the opposite of what I'm about. Yeah. I love that. Here's something you brought up on the Conan podcast that you didn't, you didn't address to my satisfaction. What, what is your favorite sugar cereal? Because you guys talked about it, but you never got to it. Um... I'm also a sugar cereal. Yeah. Oh, God. I love it. My favorite, if I want to have a junky cereal, it's a toss-up for me between Lucky Charms, because I can fool myself that I'm still having something slightly healthy, even <laughs> though even though the wheat things are, are covered in sugar glaze. Yeah, it's a frosted, um, it's a frosted uh, Cheerio, which is... Exactly. It's like when you realize the Ninja Turtle cereal was just frosted checks with marshmallows. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. But it's like ballet. There's only seven moves. And they're yeah, just... well, a lot, of the, a lot of the novelty cereals, the Mr. T cereal, it's just yep. Captain Crunch in a different shape. That was Mr. That's T. all it is. Which we all wanted because it was on Pee Wee. Do you remember Pee Wee ate Mr. Mr. T cereal? I paid a fool. 
Um, <laughs> but like anytime there was like a, a limited edition novelty cereal, it's they've taken Captain Crunch and put it in a different shape. Or they took a big swing. Like there was one called Morning Funnies. It, ha- it And it had, I know it lasted for like a month. I was probably a trial market and they went big. They went like fruit flavors you've never tasted. And it was like, even as a kid, I was like, is this medicinal? Like, is this, <laughs> is this a vaccine? <laughs> like what is happening? So it's yeah. a toss up between Lucky Charms and what? Oh, Corn Pops, formerly Sugar Corn Pops. Uh, now corn pops, um, just it. They're just so goddamn delicious. Yeah, it, it's kind of like buttered popcorn, kind of not. Um, <laughs> it, I, it, I don't know. It's just goddamn delicious, and I love it. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna create a term that has a a, a big texture spectrum too. The, the oh, cereal yeah. you're eating at the beginning is very different from the cereal you're eating at the end, and it's great the whole time. Oh well, yeah. There was that whole. Um, there was that whole thing of the the cereal that would um, change the flavor of the milk at the end. So you have an extra bonus. They sell that at Milk Bar, which is in our neighborhood. I don't know if you know. Hell that. yeah. Oh, um, in, well, th- that started in New York, the um, yeah, cereal milk I, ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, I think I'm a, a different, I must have a different palate than you because you can't beat Cinnamon Toast Crunch for me, even though I always try. I'll get Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Val and I will get stoned and we'll, we'll, back in the day, we'll go to the grocery store and get like three and do a taste test. Ooh. And then like a real grown up, I have to throw them away or I'll eat the whole box. Uh, <laughs> and it's always Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Toast Crunch always wins. It doesn't matter. It's so good. Okay. Crispix. You wouldn't expect Crispix to be good, but it's really good. Crispix is great. The Cinnamon Toast Crunch and the, the Reese's peanut butter, it's that's too much. It's too <laughs> much for breakfast. Like I, I think that's our age difference. I think that yeah. centered in because you were at the age where pops or sugar pops was like the crazy new kid and cinnamon toast crunch was the crazy new kid for me, but it was too crazy for you. It was, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it, there, there's something... I don't know what to say. It's just, it's one step too far. We're like, yeah, ah, yeah. no, now I'm just, now I'm basically, they, they didn't hide the fact that they just basically crumbled up a candy bar into a bowl and I'm eating it. Like I can't go, I just <laughs> can't go this far. <laughs> it's sorry. like Seinfeld's bit, cookie crisp. He's like, why didn't they just call this to hell with everything? To hell. <laughs> <laughs> but they, that kind of is what it is. Like I just, uh, I'm done. I don't care. That's why. I was screaming, not really, but listening to you talking to Conan, which was so funny and so great, I kept going like, you guys, men in their 40s can eat cereal if you look at it as a, as a dessert. Like, yes. Is that the and Blue hey, Angels? The, hello? What you there? What the hell was that? that was like Did you a hear fight, that? Yeah, a fighter jet just went over my house. Wow. That was, a, and now you're in Los Feliz, right? Yeah, and it and it's heading. Let's see, which way am I facing? It's heading did north, it, northwest. Did so it's it like towards you? Did it like buzz your house? I would call that a buzz. Like that was close, right? Like if my bowels shifted from like on deck to on like at bat. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a buzzing. Wow, that um, was scary. I did not care for that. Yikes. Um, I, uh, 
Oh my God, what were you asking me? My God, I just that, that really threw me for a second. I don't know yeah. what the hell that was. Suddenly, sugar cereals don't seem that important. <laughs> Dude, I, I spent a semester in Israel, and it was after the Antifada had begun and all that sort of stuff. Oy. Oh, they're doing those dumb jet flyings. Oh, Katie just texted me. It's a oh, jet for, Yeah. To- it's a jet flyover for morale. Unless they're sprinkling a vaccine. It's How not working. That, but also, I love, again, it is, that is done with such good intentions, but it's like we are openly burning away money that could be being spent for uh, you know, like frontline workers, people that are out of the for job. Sure. No, we're just going to fly jets. And it, we're openly not helping anybody. Do you want to know something that I wish I didn't know? What? They, fighter jets are left running all the time. Fleets of fighter jets, I'm pretty sure, I mean, please tweet at me. I'd like to be corrected if this isn't true. But if there's like an aircraft carrier, the jets are running. Because if there's a situation where you need them, you can't have the, the starting up time. It needs to be like oh, they it go. Takes too, so, but then do, I, do, they, do they have to keep feeding fuel into it then? Because that's it. those They're things hooked must up to gobble fuel. fuel like crazy. That's, that's what it is. It's like, it's like a real Sergeant Patton sort of... Of course, you got to keep them running, like chewing on a cigar. Like, and and I'm over here. I I get sad. They cut down a tree on my street, and I get sad. And I'm like, there's a hose blasting fuel, premium jet fuel. It I have to. Me, I got to go look that up. But yeah, I, I got to go. I just want to go confirm that. But because that sounds so crazy. Okay, that sounds crazy. I know. I know. I hope it's not true. And if you find out it's not true, please text me. Um, yeah. We only have 15 minutes. Let's do a speed round. I really love you. I'm just happy to get the word out about oh, your special. Man. Thank, thanks, man. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, real fast. Um, do you want to tell your first kiss or your virginity story? Oh, God. Um <laughs> I'm like, we only have a minute. Tell me how you, your first kiss. I My feel like you must have kiss. a great first kiss story. No, I was, I mean, not really. I was, um, <laughs> I was at, I was at a church camp. I went to this camp, camp, um, what the hell was it called? Uh, no. <laughs> it was some, it was some Catholic like church camp out in the middle of the Virginia woods or something. And this mm. girl, uh, in the girl's tent named Paula, we were at a campfire and, um, I was just telling jokes and just out of no, with no preamble or anything, she just kissed me because I was just because I was making her laugh. So oh that God. was like a nice little nod of like, do this because that is what that's what's going to work for you. Patton, that is wonderful. <laughs> and it's short. I mean, everyone listening must be laughing that I wait for the last 10 minutes to be like, tell me a story. And you did. You told it in four lines. It's yeah. heartwarming. It's informative. I'm uh, glad you told it. No, thank you. <laughs> that's what happened. That's that's exactly what happened. I, I wish I had a better story, but that's that's how it went down. What about kiss? I, I asked this. Uh, shout out to Paula. What's her last name? I'm just kidding. Um, oh, you, you thought about it? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I God, I can't remember. Poundstone. Uh, um, oh, <laughs> I think she was. She had aged out of me at that point. Wait, wait, don't kiss me. Yeah, wait, um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um. I asked this to Lewis Black, and he had the best answer. That's not to put pressure on you, oh, but it God. made me realize I have to ask everybody this. Okay. And it's pretty broad. Something in your life that you can't explain, like seeing a ghost, seeing a UFO, 
even if it was just like mine is dumb. Like when I used to fall asleep in my parents' bed, I swear the dead cat used to jump up on the bed and I, I, I could ah. feel it and it happened every single time. So it doesn't have to be sensational, but is there something in your life? His was meditating and he, and he got the extreme sensation that he was in the sky. It was an incredible story, but is there something, uh, have you seen a UFO? Have you, have you seen an apparition? No, I've ne- here's what's weird. I would very much like to encounter either the supernatural, the paranormal, or the cryptozoological. I'd love to see a lake monster. I'd love to see an apparition or, or, or experience lost time or a time slip. Um, I've never had that happen, but I know people, and I'm very, very close to people, who have had very, very profound uh, paranormal experiences. <laughs> so it seems to me like I'm the guy that carries their stories. So I had a... Um, my, uh, I'm my, when my dad was a test pilot, uh, out at El Toro one time, and I was like a little, little kid. He didn't tell me this. I was way older. He was out flying around down near Anaheim and he and his squad saw some UFOs. Some no shit. They couldn't explain. And my dad, the way he described it, he goes, it looked like a circular cage, like a lattice work of metal. And in the middle of this circular cage, was a glowing ball of energy and they were racing along beside of us. They weren't making any sounds and they weren't giving off any kind of turbulence. They were very, very close to us. There were like two or three of them. And then they just like turned and zipped away like at, in a, like at a classic, like, but turning in a way that you couldn't turn at that yeah. level of G right just angle. Yeah. yeah. Some crazy. And then, so he got down and said, um, uh, he was told his base commander, like, Hey, our squad encountered these, and he, he, we, we saw some UFOs up there. And then the, his squad commander said, did they look like metal cages with like light balls in them? No. And he went, uh, yeah, that's exactly what they look like. He goes, yeah, we'll write that down. And then that's all he said about it. Like other people had clearly been seeing these. Patton. And he either said it in a way like, that's something we're testing and you should, you should pretend that you didn't see it. Or a lot of people have been seeing them and we're just going to keep note of it. But it was just weird that the way that he was asked that question afterward is what always has stuck with me. Wow. That the commander already knew what he was going to tell him he saw. That's that? very, very weird. And I also had a... Um, Whoa. My uncle, um, who was, suffered from schizophrenia, uh, but when he was very, very young, uh, before the schizophrenia kind of, uh, you know... Overtook. Uh, sort of manifest, when he was a teenager... He was an altar boy. My my mom's all her relatives were Catholic, and his um, he had a one of the priests in the parish went away to go help some kid in the Midwest who was like sick or something, and then came back and then immediately like quit the priesthood, like was done. And apparently, that was the priest who did the exorcism that actually inspired the movie The Exorcist. He was. Mm-hmm. Washington DC area priest who went to the Midwest. There was some kid who was, they thought possessed, probably also schizophrenic. Yeah. Um, but whatever he went through to cure the kid, he then came back and said, I quit the priesthood. So was a, that weird connection too. Whoa. But I myself, and I'm, oh, I'm very open to it. I'm very open to encountering a ghost, anything. And it's just, I've never had it happen ever. I, I want to say this with full respect, and we can even edit this out if you don't want to talk about it, but with your wife passing, how has that relationship 
I, I, I don't want to sound cheap here. I'm just wondering yeah. how does she manifest in your life now? And not in a supernatural well, way, but how does I mean, it exist? She definitely manifests in our daughter. I mean, I see so many things that she put into Alice just by birth and then also mm. by what she taught Alice and how, you know, so, so there's always a part of her that's still there. And then also she manifests in me. There was a lot about me that she made just a better person. You know, I was mm. kind of um, lost when I met her and she kind of straightened me out. And then I was wounded after I lost her. And then Meredith came along and healed me and straightened me out even more. And really wow. like the, the people in your life that, you know, the, the, the person that you want to fall in love with is the person that you can constantly evolve with and is there to cheer you on while you evolve. Like that's what you want in your life. And I've been very fortunate to have encountered two people like that. And that's what, you know, that's what I ultimately wish for everyone is someone that you never feel like you're trapped with, or you never feel like you have to be who you are not with. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that both of those deficits, which you never would have asked for, created the space for this new, Yes. This new healing. Yes. You, and, you and, really, and yeah. Th- this level of existence that I didn't think was possible and that, yeah. and that Meredith seems to, to live on effortlessly. So wow. it's constantly astounding to encounter that with her. Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. Yeah. Well, one serious question and this will be the final question. Thank you for okay. that though. That, that really spoke to my heart. Thank oh, you thanks that. man. Um, what is the hardest time you've laughed? I think when you did the show, you were gracious to come on. Um, you were one of the reasons that the show became popular. So thank you for that. And here you are coming on a a popular show that you are part of. Uh, So I don't think I was asking this. The hardest time you've laughed, and it could be when you were a kid. I always like to remind people that it could just be something stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a fart. It could be someone falling. Or it could be a movie. It doesn't matter. There's no wrong answer. But if you're laughing so hard you're crying, who are you with? When, when, When is it? That sort of stuff. Uh, mine was definitely, uh, I was in San Francisco for a friend's wedding, which was going to happen on a Saturday. And me and Brian Posehn got there the day before, mutual friend. We went that night to the punchline to see Dave Attell. And he had a line that I'm not going to repeat. Um, that was <laughs> so funny that I, you know, the, the expression, you, I fell out of my chair laughing. Mm. I actually pitched forward so hard laughing. I was on a bar stool, you know, turned around looking at the stage that I fell off and then <laughs> I had to kind of get back up. And then he kept hammering the bitch. And then I started laughing so much. And both, and Brian came back me up in this. He and I had to leave the club for a second and just stand outside in that open area outside the punchline and just get our breath back. We were laughing so hard. I was laughing so hard. I thought I was going to throw up. Like and it was I, something he said on stage. It was a, yeah, he said this one joke and then he kept following it up with all these little like throwaway, um, you know, peppery little remarks. Pip, 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 pip. So it just, it like, it turned into an assault. <laughs> like, I, couldn't, I just could not get my goddamn breath in. I could not get my breath back. And then wow. something like that happened recently where, um, I was doing my Pat and Oswalt and Friends show at the Largo and Todd Glass was a guest and he ended his set with a bit that was so funny. The bit itself was funny, but then imagining I, you know, a lot of times when, when comedians watch other comedians bits, you'll extrapolate the bit in your head, mm-hmm. like, like whatever they said, you will keep 
and I just kept running with what the implications of that. I'm like, <laughs> of it now, and I was laughing so hard. He ended on that, and then went thank you. So I had to go back out because I was, you know, I also host my own show, and I could the first five minutes of my set, I just couldn't get my shit together. I was just standing there laughing oh. about this closing bit that he did. Wow. I can't even, I can't even do it justice because there's a sound cue in it, but my God, I, I it was one of the funniest ideas and concepts I've ever seen. It made yeah. me laugh so fucking hard. Oh my God. And I couldn't get it together. I couldn't get it together, but I was like, I was so, um, comfortable in not having it together mm. that oh and also we were recently shooting an episode of ap bio and there's a scene where the janitor who's played by one of the writers um <laughs> and i'm blanking on his name right now i'm so embarrassed david he, o'doherty he, huh david o'doherty <laughs> yeah david O'Doherty. <laughs> but he comes in to confront um uh um he comes in to confront glenn howerton and he he walks into the room. It's all we're all standing there, and he just says, "He his line is, hey buddy, what's your problem?'" But the way he says it, we had to do. I think we did eleven takes of just him coming in and going, "Hey buddy, what's your problem?" Because <laughs> stop laughing. And then it became now we're laughing at the fact that it's going this long. Oh. Like it isn't even the joke anymore. It's the fact that holy shit, why is it taking us this many? Yes. And it was like, there were a couple, I think around take eight or nine, there was that, there was an unspoken moment of panic of, are we just not going to do this scene? Like maybe yes. what if we can't do this scene. Yes. What if we can't do this? It was so, and he wasn't even saying a joke. It was the way that he yes. said, Hey buddy, what's your problem? Oh yeah. I just thinking of it now. And then once we all decided it was funny, then we couldn't, yep. we couldn't get through it. And it, it was insane. It's funny that you mentioned that because Val and I sometimes will watch a show like The Leftovers, which is a dark show. So oh. before, before we go to bed, did you watch The Leftovers? Yeah, you know what? I watched the first season and I loved Watchmen so much. I just restarted watching The Leftovers from season one because I couldn't, for some reason I didn't stick with it. And now I want to I want to watch yeah. it all the way through. I Well, get, let me give you this one bit because remember in, in The Leftovers, this is just for you. This is just for us. <laughs> In The Leftovers, there's the people in all white and their job, they're a cult, and they want to make everyone remember that 5% of the population vanished. Yeah, that's the one that Ann Dowd is the leader of, right? That's right. Yeah. And my the way that we would keep the show light with Valerie, and this is actually one of the hardest times I've laughed, is we do Seinfeld in the world of The Leftovers going, who is forgetting? <laughs> Who is forgetting that 5%? My uncle is gone. You think you need to dress up in white and sabotage me with pranks? No one is forgetting. And I mean, once we uncovered that, the show became 30% a comedy. Whenever it got too heavy, we'd just go, who is forgetting? One of this little in jokes in my group of comedian friends, whenever we watch like a, a serious movie where there's like some dark ceremony about to happen or some <laughs> meeting, one of the running jokes we have is someone go, uh, but first the comedy of Blaine Capatch. <laughs> like Blaine has to go up and somehow, and we'll do that in like, we're watching like the warriors and like before Cyrus gets up, 
to address all the assembled gangs. We just, and it's always a badly recorded, like, but first the comedy of Blaine Capat. And then he has to go up and, and whatever <laughs> plays with us, he will go like, he'll immediately go, hey, and we're boo! <laughs> like, it's this constant recurring thing that for some reason he keeps getting booked in these events and he's immediately uh, <laughs> And that happens, by the way. I did a gig not long ago where the opener was a 45, I swear, it was a 45-minute video about homelessness. And it had all these, like, very heartbreaking, like, people that are sick and people that are dying. And then they went, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Holmes. And you think that's a joke, and it's not a joke. No. And and you try and make a joke about it, and no one's on your side. No one's like, yeah, it must be hard to do you. Boo-hoo. Uh, my friends one year performed, uh, Tom Lennon and uh, Ben Grant from Reno 911, mm. they presented at the Eisner Awards, San Diego Comic-Con, and they had to follow the death montage of all the people that they had lost. Oh, my but God. But not only, not only did they do the death montage, which would have been bad enough, the woman reading it read the person that died and then read what they died from. So each, you know, like, you know, Stan Smith, cardiac embolism. Oh my God! So for like twenty minutes, and then off stage. And now from Reno nine one one, Thomas oh Lennon and Ben Garant, and the music went to bam, 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 like like making it fun, and the audience was just like, "Fuck you!" Like did that not want to. It was so <laughs> unbelievable. We would do stuff like that on Crashing, and I was like, "This is important because it happens." I swear, all it happens. the time all, all the, time. the time there was a place um one of the part of the um and now ladies and gentlemen the comedy of blanca patch comes from we did a he and i did a gig together <laughs> in pleasanton california at a place called the sunshine saloon which is this notoriously horrible one-nighter that you still did because you needed the 70 dollars <laughs> yes um, but they would minus gas <laughs> yeah and, but they <laughs> would they were notorious for well, you would go there and there'd be some big sporting event going on on their big screen TV, but the show started at eight. So no matter what was going on in the game, they would switch it off and go, all right, let's get ready for come. Oh. Like they, the whole audience was like furious. And then they made you go up. Cause you're like the comedy show starts at eight. I like, and, and the comedians are like, I'm happy for us to start this two hours late. As long as the game can end. That's and right. I can actually, you know what I mean? Like, I will happily stay here and wait. And they're like, the show starts. It was almost like this Aspergery, like, our show starts at 8 o'clock. Like, yeah. no yeah. no awareness of how the crowd is feeling. Or, yes. I mean, they, they, I saw them. No, I didn't see them. But Blaine claims that he saw them switch it off when the guy was like, he's on the 30. He's on the 20. Oh, my God. Click. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, like, literally my play. God. Yeah, it was brutal. That sort of goes back to what you were saying about alt comedy. What it did more than props or like a, you know, a guitar was it brought in the anxiety induced level of awareness that people like you and I have for life. That's all it did. It gave us a place because angry dads, drunks, all this stuff is why we became comedians. Let's not incite the weird parents before we have the dinner show. Let's not do it. <laughs> like, like me growing up going like, wait for them to have a cocktail before you, you know, right. talk. like Please. that is what made me a comedian. I get it. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
sadly, I, I have to hop off. I'm I know so you sorry. do. I'm so sorry, Pete. I know you do, but thank you. I, I was going to say this was like condensed milk. It's like oh, if, good. if I was yeah. like, look, we have an hour. I want a moment of heart. I want great stories. I want great bits. Mm. You did it. And I, I was, I don't know why I moved to say this. I'm like, you're one of the good, you're the good guy. I'm so happy for you. You're killing it. I'm proud. I know it's weird for me to be proud because I'm, I'm a freshman and you're a senior, but I'm proud and you're killing oh, man. it. And you're, you are, we, you are far beyond a freshman at this point, my friend, but thank you. <laughs> well, we're thank both like you. nine years. Sen- I'm a nine year senior and you're, you're a tenure. Or yes, there you go. Senior. That's the way to put it. All right. God love you, Pat. Right. And would you say, keep it crispy. It's how we end. You say, keep it crispy. Yeah. Hey, keep it crispy. <laughs> you keep it crispy. Good luck with the rest of your press, Patton. And uh, I Love Everything is out on May. Tuesday, May 19th on Netflix. There it is, baby. All right. Thank Bye. you, Patton. Thanks for taking right. the time. So See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice